1: I believe in that too and, and that's why we keep like falling into these cycles of end time cycles of like, you know, trying to make it happen and induce it. Look, I I, th- I do believe that these scriptures, the Bibles and, and Qurans and the Torahs and stuff like that, I do believe they hold some power. I do believe that they they are divinely inspired in the same way that everything is divinely inspired. And I just made a little reel today, you know, and in that reel I mentioned that, you know, God speaks through nature. And it's, it's amazing how like lunar eclipses and solar eclipses occur, like that's miraculous. You know, I mean, everything's miraculous if you really stop to, to, to think about it, you know. So it's like everything, right, that we are living is divinely inspired.
0: Welcome to the one on one podcast with your host, Juan Ayala.
2: Welcome back to another episode of the One One Podcast. I'm your host as always. Make sure to, yeah, you know, whoever's listening to this, make sure to leave a, a review for the podcast. Make sure to share it with your friends. I need to know that people are listening. Cause I don't know. I don't know if people are listening sometimes, man. You know how it is? They don't they don't be leaving. It takes two seconds. Just leave a five-star review or a one-star. Who gives a shit? But at least you'll let me know that you're listening. I don't know. Tell me if you enjoy the the podcast, if you fucking hate it, whatever. Just leave me a review. Make sure to check out the Occultist Monday journal, the101podcast.com. And make sure to get your copy of The Chosen Juan on my website as well, the101podcast.com. And it'll take you to the Ko fi link. Or you can shoot me a DM up to you. Check out Paranoid American Comics. And make sure to follow me on social media at the101podcast, YouTube. TikTok, instagram twitter all that stuff i'm looking around on my screens to make sure i didn't miss anything but yeah so today we have my mexican brother apparently we got the uh, esoteric eddie <laughs>
1: what's hey, up bro what up what up how Viva you been la raza.
2: <laughs> the latinos brother hispanics right like yeah. we're, we're killing it bro we're, we're crushing it you're crushing it you're writing books and I love you know I love every Hispanic race except for Puerto Ricans because they're the worst. <laughs> but hey, you know I love my Mexicans. I know Tripoli called me a Mexican, but it's all good, bro. It's all good, you know.
1: Hell yeah, man! The acoltinos.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we should start. You know what would be huge? It would be huge. And I know we were talking about some other stuff before the show, but uh, something that would be big is a Hispanic, a Spanish conspiracy podcast bro there is nothing yeah. catering to that market
1: yeah it would be huge actually man i fucking hate myself because i don't speak fluent spanish i know enough to get around and you know or whatever um but somebody actually did reach out to me recently and was asking if i knew fluent spanish because they work for some radio broadcasting Damn. and uh I told him, I was like, bro, like, I'll have a freaking interpreter right next to me. Like, I don't care. You know, yeah. But yeah, man, you're right. That's, that's, we got to come through for our people. So I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to learn because I want to tap in with my people and share some of this with them.
2: I'm fluent in Spanish. My only thing is that when it comes to these certain esoteric topics, you're not going to be able to interpret some of the words. Like, for example, the... The original spirit and conscious spirit. Like, how am I... Taoism. How am I able to even able to say that? And so, you know what I mean? So, I have people... Because yeah. I've been kicking that that idea around for a minute. And I have a friend of mine who has a, a podcast in Spanish. And he's real big in the scene in Puerto Rico. And I was like, dude, I want to start a conspiracy. He's like, let's do it. But whenever I say, I, I think I'm going to, like, crack or... Something. I don't know. I just... I don't think I, I I'm not going to be able to do the topics justice in Spanish. I just that's just how I feel. But who knows?
1: I don't know. I mean, I just did that documentary on Jacobo Grinberg, and he's got a lot of documentaries or not documentaries, uh, like interviews or a few interviews on YouTube. And I've watched some, but I, I don't, I can't understand everything he's saying. But maybe <laughs> check it out, dude. Like he might have some ways of explaining that you can kind of uh, gain from. Yeah, because he did all of his work was on consciousness and telepathy and stuff mm. like that and he, he was a mexican scientist
2: well i might just do it and it'll just be spanglish so whenever i can't replace a word i'll just replace it with a word and <laughs> well, that's
1: what that's what they do anyways you know when they like say like american movies and stuff <laughs> you know esta viernes el hulk
2: yeah and Captain <laughs> you know? captain america and and you know what i mean they just go on and on yeah yeah no i, I might do it dude i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna see because that market is definitely underserved and I think it would be huge. You know what I mean? Huge. So we'll see. Dude, can you plug your stuff where people can find you? I know you got a new book out. You got a website, you got a YouTube and all that stuff. Can you plug your social so people can find you?
1: Yeah. Fastest way to connect is Instagram at Esoteric Eddie, all the larger content, full length documentaries on YouTube, Esoteric Eddie TV. And, um, I have two books out right now on Amazon um, under my author name, my my legal name, Eduardo Fidencio Cano, or Cano. But uh, just hit me up on Instagram if you want links or any information on, on all of my stuff.
2: Right on. I'll put that in the show notes. So this new book, dude, The Anunnaki Theorem, right? Is that the name of it? Yep. Because I haven't checked it out. I'll have to check it out and order a copy. I ordered the hard, the hardcover copy of the Lucifer Unveiled for those that don't know, check that episode out. I forgot what number it is, but uh Eddie here, he unveils the the enigmatic Lucifer, right? The, this this yeah, reveals this reveals, right? The this <laughs> this this character that everybody's like, oh, Satan and Lucifer yeah. and the devil and all this stuff. And that was that's a great book. People should check it out. And when you were recently on some other shows, I was checking out those interviews and you wrote this book and it's a rewrite of your first book that you said wasn't too well done and you redid it so what's up dude one of the anunnaki coming back what should we expect the
1: anunnaki they're here bro they are us we are them Oof. no but uh, in all seriousness um they're gone you know, in my in my scholarly opinion, I think they're just gone, man, and it's time for us to put them to rest. You know, let them rest. And um, the book, yeah, as you said, it was a, it's a revision of the first book I ever put out when I was a Sitchin fanboy and was really into his stuff and and was looking for their return and all of that. And it's not to say that you know there aren't other humanoids out there that could be related to us or them but i just don't believe that the anunnaki per se are coming back
2: so you don't think you think that that what do you think about these gods like for example the titans right that they're locked away at the bottom of the abyss do you think that was the same thing or are you coming at it from a a, uh sitchin point of view where like they went to another planet and they left or i don't know if you follow billy carson at all i just recently watched his black knight satellite documentary
1: how was that i've been meaning to check
2: it out is it worth it worth worth the hype i love carson's work was it worth the yeah. hype no like i'd been okay. waiting for it for like a couple years now he's been talking about it yeah it yeah. finally came out i checked it out on his website and to be honest, it's not anything that's going to not not to throw shade. Right. I have a bunch yeah. of respect for the guy, but it's not it's not bringing anything new to the table. It's already stuff that they've already said on interviews and stuff like that. Okay. Still, you know, it's a good watch. But this idea that they're still watching us with this thing, with this satellite yeah. that is apparently is the eye of either Enki or en- I always get Enki and en- a little mixed up, but Enki. Yeah. He's like watching us. Do you think it's like that, that they're still kind of manipulating this, you know, behind the scenes or.
1: It it could be so. I think the situation is just so much more complex and we just like to always simplify things, you know, and. The Bible, all religions, man, all major religions, the, the major Abrahamic religions, they're all telling the same story just from different perspectives about these beings, about these beings and their influence on us and and how they created us and why they created us. And so these beings, these Anunnaki, according to the Abrahamic faiths and probably other religions and histories, are our progenitors. And I I see them as our elder brothers and sisters. But the texts make it pretty clear that, for one, they did leave after some cataclysms happened and and some of them probably died off or whatever and uh, some of the younger ones went on to rule like Marduk um, but they're apparently not here anymore they're not around but we have semblances of them around us through symbology and, and maybe bloodlines and stuff like that but what's interesting is like how we, the world revolves around These beings in so many different ways Specifically through the religious institutions That they set up And right now we're experiencing Some very weird times And some very strange claims Like there's this whole thing going on around That the Jewish rabbi I don't know if you've seen this But like hundreds or whatever Jewish rabbi in Israel and around the world Are are claiming that the Messiah is here And that he's going to be announced next year and I don't know if you saw this too. There's a there's a prophecy in the Bible that states that when the the temple of Jerusalem is to be rebuilt for the third and final time, they're going to have I think two or three red heifers, red cows, um, that are going to be used for the for the sacrifice, for the grand sacrifice and an- announcing of the Messiah. And those red heifers or red cows are already there. They they're like being taken care of uh, taken care of right now and prepared for that s- sacrifice. So we have this weird fulfilling of prophecy happening right before us, and um, all these other things going on around us in the world, Ukraine and Russia, which some think are, are Gog and Magog in the Book of Revelation. And that story states that in the end times, there's going to be two neighboring countries, pretty much, or two neighboring forces that fight up against each other, and so it's interesting because like we, we view religion through this like secular or, or whatever main mind frame, but religion is really just like the institutions of these beings that were set up thousands and thousands of years ago. And they were instructions and, and, and more so than that, they were prophecies. But the prophecies really are instructions, I should say. So they set up these prophecies, which are really instructions on what to look out for and, and what to be prepared for. Um, so are they coming back? Um, if I mean, I don't know. But apparently, according to all these scriptures, Jesus is coming back. Uh, God is coming back. Allah is coming back. Maybe Muhammad. And in the book of Revelation, Elijah and Enoch are supposed to come back. Um, They are allegedly the two witnesses in the end times prophecy that go around preaching and then are killed. And and then for three days, everybody in the world sees their bodies or something like that. And then their bodies raise up and go to go to heaven. And I remember reading that as a kid when I was in middle school, reading the two witnesses story. And uh, me and my best friend at the time, we were like into like the book of of Revelation. And I was like, oh, I was pretty stoned. I was a little kid, middle school. And I was like, "Yo, man, what if the two witnesses are us, man?" I was like, "We need to go to Israel and, and fulfill this prophecy." <laughs> like, <laughs> I was legit, like, serious about it. Imagine too. it was a like, Mexican, thought,
2: bro. Like the, you know, they're they're Mexicans. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, the, the Mexicans out there in Israel. Hey, hola, <laughs> chingado. Hey, El Jesús, he's coming back, No, But uh, no, but yeah, I was reading that and I was like, "What? The, what is all this?" You know, like and uh i was for real like yo we need to go to israel man like i think we're the two witnesses but you know that's me being dumb and young but i'm saying all this to say man it's like our world revolves around around these abrahamic faiths and deeper than that the abrahamic faiths revolve around the anunnaki and their story and that's really where our story as humanity begins is with these beings so um to a certain extent, I would love to believe that they are real and that they are coming back because that would be an easy way to escape you know, all the troubles that we face. And it would be an easy way to cope with the evils of this world and say, yes, everybody's going to get their just due when our forefathers, our progenitors, our elder brother and sisters come back, when Yahweh comes back. But um, I simply, at the very least, don't see the Anunnaki coming back in our lifetime
2: and when when you say these type of things a a lot of people take it to heart because this is some people's reality right and i like to come at things from a scholarly point of view where whatever happened to these things being open for discussion we're back in the in in the times of back then where if you were to speak against the system you would be killed or ruled a heretic and you'd be outcasted. It's the same thing today. It hasn't changed. And I believe that the grip of organized religion is still as strong as ever in a lot of these major religions. And I believe in a God. I believe that there is a higher source of power. Now, I don't want to subscribe to the dogmatic views and psychological trauma because that's what it is of the church, of organized religion. And I've said a bunch of times on the show, I was deep in the church you know what i mean and i'm talking about deep since all my life and when you start to realize like hey you know you need to be in a certain mindset if you're in the worship group you can't be thinking about hentai or some shit while you're up playing the guitar for jesus trying to lead people in prayer. you know what i mean yeah. you can't be like that or you can't be worried about you know how many people came out of of the closet after i had left church and a bunch of people you know just cycled out a lot of them you know what i mean because and there are people who were in the worship and all this stuff where they were up there and they were super holy holy religious and after the fact they turned out to be in the closet you know what i mean like and, and, and good yeah. for them right you could i always say as long as it's between two consenting adults you can put whatever you want to put in your butt i don't care you can worship cthulhu i don't care just leave the kids out of it and don't hurt yourself or hurt others And you can do whatever you want you know what i mean that, that's the, that's the beauty of living in this country where we have the freedom of religion and we have the freedom of speech, but the problem is when people overstep their boundaries and start to push their ideologies onto others. That's where, where I draw the line. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. go ahead.
1: Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, I mean, I've studied the Quran a little bit and the Muslim side of things a little bit, but, uh, more recently it's, it's been coming back into my life. I just interviewed this amazing, um, woman this this cool person she's become a friend to me and i'm going to release hopefully the interview this weekend um if as, as she approves it but uh she was an ex-military official who got into the intelligence community used to be atheist and then later on in life became a muslim and she's taught me a lot of things about the quran and and the quran itself has been taken advantage of and so in the muslim world you have what are called hadiths and um I forgot the other word, but the, basically the teachings and sayings of Muhammad, which don't, which aren't in the Quran. So there's this whole split in the Muslim world be- between Quran only people. And then, and then the rest of the 98% of the Muslim world, pretty much, which follow the Hadiths and, and, and the teachings and sayings of, of of Muhammad, which were added in way later. So Saudi Arabia and the Muslim um, monopoly or, or institution it isn't preaching a Quran-only stance. You know, they're blending government and culture with the Quran as, you know, other religions do, like Christianity and, and Judaism also. Um, so I think I do believe in God too. And and I do think that there will be some sort of apocalyptic event. But I I think that, you know, it's like, almost like we're self-fulfilling that prophecy, you know, and uh, all of these scriptures were like instructions left by the Anunnaki more or less on on how to continue this, how to continue this and how to look out. But in a way too, it's like they were playing battleship. It's almost like they left different instructions for different places around the world. And it's almost like battleship now. It's like, all right, like who will end up winning? But it's, it's all madness because really we're, it's not supposed to be like that. Really, the, the instructions were left throughout the world in these different languages and in, in these different ways so that there would be multiple understandings because we have multiple cultures and multiple types of people on this planet. And really, Christians and Muslims and, and Jews and so on and so forth have so much more in common and we're all children of God and we all should be looking towards enlighten, enlightening each other towards that goal, but uh, we've we fell under the same as the same exact trap that the Sumerians were under, and the Sumerians, as I detail in my book, the Anunnaki Theorem, they were never a unified kingdom. They were always city states fighting against each other, and each city state had its own patron god. You know, so they were like gangs fighting each other with you know yo, we're, we're Anki clan, we're Enlo clan, we're, you know, Inanna clan or whatever. So we've fallen us under the same trap. So I, that's why, you know, me and you and people like us, you know, do this work is so that we can deprogram and deinstitutionalize from that mind frame and take it back to the scripture alone rather than the institutionalization of it.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And I, The way, from where I stand, I I think that organized religion is a brokered experience now, and I think that they, there's a reason why they killed the Gnostics and they ruled them heretics, because when you do speak out the truth, right, we're in the in the truther community, right, if you will, quote unquote, and even within this community, there's division. You're talking about how the same people back then they had their own cliques. It was the same. It's the same thing. That's why there's so many denominations of Christianity. That's why there's so many different denominations of of the Muslims and of whoever you like, you look and there's different denominators, there's different cliques and they almost kind of sort of believe the same thing, except one guy was like, no, this isn't how you interpret this. Well, the I, dude, in the 1500s, they were talking about God coming, right? The apocalypse happening. John D was writing about it. All these guys were writing about it. John D wanted to bring forward the apocalypse. The angels were telling him like, hey, listen, if you follow these instructions, they will quite literally bring forth the apocalypse. Well, the apocalypse also means unveiling, right? The re- the big reveal. So, what is all that about? And I think that I, for as far, as long as I can remember being in the church, I've always heard, "Oh, Jesus is coming. You better repent for your sins. You better repent." I remember my grandma telling yeah. me, "If you don't, if you don't, if you don't get raptured, you are gonna stay here, and it's gonna be great for ni- I think she told me like nine years. The first three were gonna be good. The second, three, you know, the, the second half was gonna be okay, and then the last three were gonna be horrible. Plagues, wars. All these things. But then a part of me also is like how you're saying, what if it's all bullshit? What if the people back then, Eddie, what if they were trolling the shit out of us? What if they were just like, yo, let's write about this crazy. The Mahabharata, bro. Yeah. The epic of Gilgamesh. All these trippy ass stories that if you really think about it, it's like, man, could that really have happened? Could could that really be? Or are they interpreting it differently? Or were times actually different back then? What is time? <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. What is time? How do you even interpret time? What is the past? The timeline is all fucked up. You get year zero, and then you go forward. We we what? You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't make yeah. sense to me. And that's you know you're talking about the Anunnaki and how everything is modeled off of that. Look at the Zoroastrians. It's the same essentially the same thing as as Christianity. They're piggybacking off of one another. And when you look into certain grimoires, they were omitting certain details in grimoires. So what makes you think that the, the Bible or some book that's written by man isn't going to be censored? They literally had yeah. schisms in the church history over which type of bread to use for the Eucharist. They had schisms over if when you eat in the Eucharist, does the, does the body of Christ turn into shit? There's literally schisms over wars fought over people killed over these ideas. So think about that and let that sink in for a little bit. And then think about how those same people that were fighting about that, his story, history to the victor, the spoils is a reason why it's the guy who won. And it's all, I think it all goes back to power, bro. I think it goes back to power and they use religion as another thing to attach you to this matrix. That's why, Plato talked about, you know, being that neo that, that 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 platonic sage of detaching yourself from this mundane world in order to achieve mm. a certain level of enlightenment, to be able to, I think, to to come out of the cave. But even all yeah. that is figurative, you know what I mean. And even those guys had their own ideas and own ideologies that they were trying to push, and they had cults, you know what I mean. They had cults. Yeah. They, that's the, that's the whole thing of back then. So i don't know bro because i think that maybe how you're saying maybe this is a self-fulfilled prophecy and we're gonna we're going to literally manifest the apocalypse so we want to manifest these wars and i think that they know that and they play off of that they play off of of the nerves like oh the euphrates river dried up (laughs) you know what i mean that's end times and everybody starts freaking out like oh oh man You know what I mean? Let's go to church. Meanwhile, they're making more money. They're not paying taxes, and they're just feeding off your negative energy. Hey, a broken clock is right two times a day. So eventually, some, if we truly hold, and it goes back to Pythagoras, if man is able to break even one, or crush one grain of sand, he will eventually destroy himself. And if we Mm. truly can destroy the world, X times over how they say what the Russians and, and all these other stuff. I think that'll happen before we do see any coming of any yeah. God or gods or whatever it may be. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's, yeah, that's a bigger possibility. Yeah, man. Um,
1: yeah, you're right. I mean, there's so many ways to look at it and look, trust me, like a part of me really wants to believe in the Bible and and all that stuff, but that's the, the default indoctrination in me. That's all I knew. And it's arrogant for me to think that, that I'm correct when there are, you know, so many other people in this world who grew up with a different religion, who also feel the same way about their religion and their parents and their ancestors, you know? So when you strip it all and you just strip it all and just look at it for what it is, man, it's like, yeah, we are living in, in, in a matrix. You know, we're living in a, in this system that is just, um, just gripping us, man. Time and time again, bringing us back, bringing us back, instead of allowing us to break outside of this and actually realize what we're in and how to maneuver in this and become become better.
2: I wanted to bring this up, Greg, right, because talking about apocalyptic yeah. time. this was the mysterious sky battle over Nuremberg in 1561, apparently. And the the really interesting part about this, about the 1561 time, is that this was the time when John D. was fucking around with the Enochian magic and the angels. Mm-hmm. And then stuff like this was happening. And they were drawing, like you know, th- th- so... Again, maybe it was a projection or was it truly, I think it was a byproduct of messing with, you know, the angelic entities or whatever he was demonic, whatever he was messing around with. And, you know, the timing, right, adds up. But could you imagine these people thought that it was the end of the world then? The 1561. Yeah.
1: Yeah, dude, the Iraq war with George Bush, like that could have been the damn end times for all we knew. You know, that felt super apocalyptic. And it was literally Christianity versus like the Muslim world pretty much, you know, on a general level.
2: So on April 14, 1561, residents of the bustling Bavarian town of Nuremberg woke up to a frightening scene. Hundreds of little fireballs were exploding in the sky and crafts of all shapes and sizes, spheres, triangles, cylinders, and crosses were whizzing past each other. So it's talking about like, there was this crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I just did a video, uh, a UFO compilation video and I opened it up with that story. Oh, you did? Yeah. Because what I realized, man, check this out. So I had this idea uh, a few weeks ago or a month ago when I made that video, I was like, yo, I want to make a UFO compilation video and just throw it up, you know, just to, just to have one. Cause I don't, I haven't seen a dope one in a while, but as I went out to go find UFO videos, I realized like. Nine out of 10 of the videos that you'll find on the internet, if not every single one that you come across on the internet, you're not going to find videos of craft. You're only going to find videos of these orb-like things, these orb things or these tic-tac things like, like the Navy SEAL saw. So go and try to find UFO footage. Nine out of 10 times, what you're going to see are these orbs, orbs, whatever they are, or these these light things, things that are made out of light. And then I, I rem- it reminded me of that story, the one you just pulled up. And I was like, wait, hold up. like This has been going on forever because that story you just brought up, it sounds like the same exact thing we're witnessing today. The guy says, we all woke up and we saw these spheres, these black and red spheres in the sky, fighting each other or like whizzing around. So UFOs aren't what we think they are. They're not mechanical craft. I know there are pictures of that out there and stuff like that, so I'm not denying that there are mechanical craft out there. But again, that's gonna go into a rabbit hole of Nazi technology, American technology, so on and so forth. But I'm telling you, nine out of 10 pieces of footage out there are just orbs. And these orbs as in that story, they've been around forever. So it made me realize like, shit, man, we're we're not dealing with craft here. We're dealing with something we don't even, we can't even comprehend. And Carl Jung in his UFO book concluded that the reason we started to see craft at first was because that's all we could comprehend. Cause we started seeing this stuff during like world war one, world war two, uh, world, well, world war two more. So, but that's all we could comprehend at that time was with mechanical craft. But now as we are starting to become more enlightened and more uh, conscious, we're starting to see these things for what they really are maybe. And so I think we're dealing with, with, Sentient things Whatever these things are Whizzing around in the sky I think they're sentient And they're not craft
2: I also like the fact that Young talks about It being some sort of projection as well Right? Like some sort of psychic projection Because I do believe But then Here's the the paradox When it comes to thinking like Oh, this is all bullshit There is not going to be an apocalypse There's not going to be anything but then the fact that you can say, oh well, this is a psychic projection from the collective that everybody's putting out there. Like a bigfoot is a psychic projection of everybody. Well, then you're admitting that thoughts affect reality. So if there is no, you know, if there's no supernatural God, then what are you trying to get at? You know what I mean? Like that's why yeah. it kind of like flip-flop. But then I'm like, if you're projecting these ideas and manifesting the apocalypse. Well, then, yeah. so what you believe in that you can manifest things into the real world, but then you're not going to believe that there is a higher power in the Anunnaki are coming back? You're mm-hmm. being selective with what you believe? I mean, obviously, you have to be selective with well, what you believe, but well, you know what I'm saying, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, let's, let's get back to that because the whole Anunnaki are coming back thing, that comes from Zechariah Sitchin. They're nowhere in the Sumerian texts does it talk about them coming mm. back. You know, like the only... The only text that I know of, and again, this is the only thing that I know of, and um, we've only publicly translated 10% of the half a million to a million tablets that have been uncovered the past almost 200 years, but the only Sumerian text that talks about them even leaving is a a lamentation text um, right around the time, I think it was written uh, right around the time of like... um, 600 BC or 700 BC and Sitchin talks about this text and he says that this text is like proof that Muhammad was visited by an Anunnaki or some shit you know besides the point but there is a a lamentation text um let me see let me see if I can pull it up but in that text
2: what's the name um, of it because I know about the Enuma Elish
1: yeah not the Enuma Elish it's a lamentation text but let me see if I can pull it up real quick give me a second but as I Look for it Um In the text There's like a war Or something And Sumer is destroyed And the god Sin S-I-N Who was a moon god Which is where Um Sitchin got the idea That he was actually Allah and, And all this stuff Um He He disappears He dips out He leaves You know And um The king's Mom Like starts like Praying to Sin Like please come back Like why have you forsaken us Um so, there's that's the that's the only real thing that it talks about them kind of leaving, and Sitchin and his work points out that all the Anunnaki left right around that time. That he he claims that right around the world, that right around the same time, there was a lot of cultural stories and myths about the gods leaving, like Getzalcoatl leaving over the seas, saying I'll be back at some point, you know, and then this god, this moon god, sin leaving. And so um, there are some stories around the world of God's leaving. And I guess in some cases, like Quetzalcoatl saying, I'll be back. But there's no like prophecy, you know, within the ancient text saying like, oh, you know, we're going to leave and and come back. That, That whole idea comes from Sitchin and specifically the Planet X thing that's an integral part of it, you know, because he says that this planet comes around every 3,600 years mm-hmm. and every time it comes here, like some apocalyptic or, or prophetic thing happens. So according to him, actually shit, according to him, I think he said, um, well, for one Sitchin prophesized in his book, the end of days that we're going to have a nuclear war in 2024. Sitchin prophesies in the book, the end of days, we're going to have a nuclear war in 2024. And he prophesied that Nibiru would be back, I think, around, around the year 3030. I don't remember the exact year, but it's going to be around. So we're, we're not even due for the return of Nibiru and the Anunnaki until another, what, that thousand years or something. Um, so, but that whole idea of them coming back, that's such an idea, and it's an uh, amazing idea that could be true.
2: But, Eddie, um, where yeah the the where did that come from then the the idea of an apocalypse the idea of the coming you know the end of days and all these things where did that originate from because that had to have re- originated from somewhere and obviously the oldest pieces of literature that we have is in ancient mesopotamia sumer etc cetera, et cetera. you know the fertile crescent the epic of gilgamesh is the oldest story i've only read it one time i don't remember anything of it other than uh, Enkidu and and the, uh, Gilgamesh, right? Where it's like this hairy man, and then I remember him swimming to the bottom of that ocean to retrieve this plant to bring him back to life. But then he falls asleep and all this stuff. So yeah. it's really weird. But w- I'm curious to see if you, I mean if you know because I don't know where the idea of an end of times came from.
1: All that that comes from the Old Testament uh, primarily. So and Sitchin talks about this too. So. Um, in the book of Daniel, actually, there's an angel that visits Daniel, and he he gives him a cryptic message about when the world's going to end. Daniel asks him, you know, when is the return of of the Lord or whatever, and he says some weird thing about times and times and a half a time, something like that. Times and a time and a half a time. And um, Isaac Newton actually wrote an essay on this, wrote a whole entire essay on that passage and decoded it and like did the math. And and I think he came up with a, the same answer that like around the year 3000 or something is, is when it's supposed to take place. Um, so the end of days is a very specific term that is used in the Old Testament. The end of days, the day of the Lord um, and the return of the Lord. Uh, they all there's those terms using the Old Testament, but Sitchin claims that like the Day of the Lord is like actually referring to Nibiru coming back. That whenever you see the Lord or the return of the Lord in the Old Testament, that's actually a cryptic message about Nibiru.
2: and like just all this wild stuff, man. But, but it's because they so, were inspired by again their their predecessors, right? The people who came before them they were inspired by all those guys so it would bleed into their work you said it comes from the old testament but then where the old testament get its inspiration from it had to be something old. you know what i'm getting at? like it it's yeah there's a lineage that you have to follow and from my understanding again i haven't looked into it deeply but i don't think i saw anything about end of times at least from the ancient mesopotamian story of creation i could be wrong i'm gonna look it up yeah. now but uh because it's a very it's a very weird idea right to be like hey you know we're predicting the end of humanity as we see it, and then every every story of creation has that reset. Well, you know the earth before antediluvian was, you know the sin was rampant, and God El Yahweh whoever comes and he, and you have Atrahasis, then you have the uh, you know Noah, and you have all these other stories of like people who built an ark, a boat yeah it's always the same thing it's like how you're saying it it, and then it's reflected in all these cultures and the only thing that changes is the name and their appearance but again through cultural influences yeah man you broke up there eddie can you start over because your connection cut out for a second
1: <clears throat> yeah, what I was just saying is like what we're dealing with here, it's its just wild and it's, it's weird, you know, and so these beings came allegedly created us, you know, instituted civilization, had a bunch of wars, and then seemingly left or died out and left the first kings who were probably in their bloodline to rule. And then pretty much after they left or after their influence um, weakened over us we instituted monotheism and monotheism was instituted for the first time on, on a prolific scale in, um, you know, the 500, 500 BC after the Babylonian exile, um, uh, through the, the Jewish, um, priesthood. And then, but that the monotheism was centered around Yahweh, who used to belong to the Anunnaki pantheon. So after they left, they more or less still, had an influence over us through the monotheistic uh, priesthood of Judaism. And then eventually Christianity was formed. And then Christianity kind of wiped everything out too, and then instituted another strong form of monotheism through the worship of Jesus Christ. And then the third part of that came, which was um, monotheism instituted through uh, Muhammad and, and Islam and the worship of Allah. But it's like, it's like the Anunnaki left behind, just another form of, of control and and indoctrination, but on an esoteric spiritual level, I mean, we live in a corrupt world. You know, we live in a corrupt world. This life is struggle from the very moment we're born. And all of the esoteric schools have tried to explain that. And all of the occult schools have tried to explain that. And that's what we call the fall the fall, you know, like Sophia falling from the Pleroma. So every esoteric school, every occult school talks about us falling from the source and being trapped here and because of our grotesque nature and disconnect from God, this entire existence, not just our personal existence, but our entire human historical existence on this planet from Adam to us is about retribution. It's about retribution and purification and and purifying ourselves and each other and the human race so that we can get to the point where we can be accepted back into the source. So on a historical level, on an esoteric historical level, sure, the Anunnaki were real. They created us, had wars, instituted the religions, left, and then are having these proxy wars through ideologies, and all of these proxy wars of ideology are gonna to come to a head through the apocalypse. And at the apocalypse and the end of times, the truth will be revealed. And when the truth is revealed, the true God of all will return to set things straight. And that will be the time when it's everybody's time's up, everything that had to happen happens. And when that God comes back, He's going to say, it's going to say, well, did you learn your lesson? Did you get it right? Because there's no more time left. So that's what we're dealing with here on an esoteric level. It's it's we're paying for the sins of the Anunnaki. We're paying for the sins of our forefathers, and we're definitely paying for the sins of ourselves. And the whole point of this matrix isn't to fall in love with it, you know, actually on, on a religious level, too. and and this is interesting because a lot of theologians or religious people or spiritual people will will also talk about myself included sometimes we will talk about uh, we need to find peace we need to find world peace we need need to you know find peace and and, uh, unify but the funny thing is all of our scriptures tell us that this world is the false world we're not supposed to be growing accustomed to this world we're not supposed to be um you know admiring it we're supposed to remember that we fell here we're trapped here and the goal is to to re- revive and renew and rebirth ourselves to rejoin into the source
2: and that comes from again platonic thought right the demiurge came from plato and and that's why Pythagoras uh uh forgot his name Thales of uh, Pythagoras's teacher, I forgot his name. Uh, uh, Thales of Miletus, uh, he, he was the one that taught Pythagoras, and Pythagoras inspired Plato. Plato inspired the Gnostics. So you have this line, and these guys were the ones that laid the foundation for Christianity. And yeah. one of my favorite one of my favorite verses or sayings, the Gospel of Thomas, it's from the Nag Hammadi, and it says, The disciples said to Jesus, Tell us how our end will come to pass. Jesus said, Then you, then have you laid bare the beginning so that you are seeking the end? For the end will be where the beginning is. Blessed is the person who stands at rest in the beginning, and that person will be acquainted with the end and will not taste death. So, but dude, can you imagine how different that history would be if they would have never found the Nakamadi, the Dead Sea Scrolls, or any, or any of these texts? Because look at how... Yeah. Poetic, this Jesus is like the the disciples are asking him, like, "Yo, what's up? When's it gonna end?" He's like, "Dude, you know what I mean." Like the the end is where the beginning is. What are you, what are you, what are you getting at? You know what I mean. So it's like this really weird, really weird saying. But even uh, even you know the 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 Nag Hammadi and all this stuff. Imagine how different it would be then. And if we if we wouldn't have found this because I and I looked up here the apocalypse and it one of the main examples is the old testament but my whole thing is i'm thinking that they use this in order to deepen the grasp that they have on everybody you know what i mean like what better way like the whole constantine thing well it's one thing if i say that god sent me it's another thing if i tell you that it was just me like hey i'm ruling you get fucked yeah oh well god (laughs) sent me to rule you oh god who sent you god Oh, yeah, for sure. 100%. I'm going to listen to everything you say. And then it went from the Roman Empire to the Holy Roman Empire because they saw how much power it had. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they, they saw it was easier to rule people. And I think that's how you get the whole, the the, the God kings and all this stuff. But I think there's something much deeper going on here uh, that that goes back. You know, what I mean? it, it goes back. And you said uh, retribution and purification. And it makes me think of alchemy. That's what it is. They're trying to purify reality of its imperfections because of that Greco-Roman Hermeticism, uh, Hermes Trismegistus idea that it originated with them in Egypt. You know what I mean? And and that idea of using alchemy, working with these materials in order to purify reality, in order to warp reality and and, and stand outside of it. You mentioned that. As Sitchin talked about uh, the, the, the nuclear war that's going to happen in 2024. Well, Fulconelli was talking about nuclear power in the early 1900s. You know what I mean? He was talking about like, hey, the secret is you can affect reality. And it makes you think of, oh, why are they messing with the Higgs boson? What are they doing? They're, they're yeah. clashing together things. They're, they're Again, they're working with that material. In order to have an alchemical outcome and affect reality. So it's fucked because I I I really want to believe, but then I want to throw it out the window. But then it's like (laughs) there's more to this, you know what I mean? It's more to this existence than meets the eye. Like it's 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 rooted much deeper somewhere. And that's why this is this is why I do it, bro. We're trying to decipher this reality. It,
1: It it all blends, man. It all blends, you know, and that that's how we that that's the truth of it it all blends it's not like linear it's not like oh this is the truth this is the truth it all blends and um what you just said right now about uh you know the end will be the beginning the beginning will be the end that's also stated in the old testament and sitchin brings that up a lot and uh i believe in that too and and that's why we keep like falling into these cycles of end time cycles of like you know trying to make it happen and induce it but um, look, I I, th- I do believe that these scriptures, the Bibles and, and the Qurans and the Torahs and stuff like that, I do believe they hold some power. And I do believe that they they are divinely inspired in the same way that everything is divinely inspired. And I just made a little reel today, you know, and in that reel, I mentioned that, you know, God speaks through nature. And it's it's amazing how like lunar eclipses and solar eclipses occur like that's miraculous, you know. I mean, everything's miraculous if you really stop to, to to think about it, you know. So it's like everything, right, that we're living is divinely inspired in that sense. So in that sense, yes, the book, the Bible, is the word of God in the same sense that your life is the word of God. So. Yeah, man. It's like, I don't think the Anunnaki are coming back because I think they've already had their judgment. They aren't the ones we're waiting for to come back. They've already had their judgment. They've already lived their days. They've already had their history in the same way whoever built Gobekli Tepe did. Whoever built Gobekli Tepe ain't coming back. (laughs) (laughs) You know? So the end will be the beginning. The beginning will be the end. And the beginning was was the consciousness the one consciousness and whatever that one consciousness was is will be that's what's coming back and Mm. that's what's going to come back and that's what's going to say look y'all had it wrong all along and i had this i had the signs and above your head the whole time the signs were above our heads the whole time through the stars the constellations the synchronicities in nature all these different things that tell us every single day who our creator really is,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. I be, I believe that anything that you're able to perceive, I, I've called myself myself an emanationist because I feel that whatever you can perceive, whatever you can see, is just an emanation of the source, right? It's an emanation of of God. It's a, I think it's a reflection of the divine. You know what I mean? It's it's built in to the structure of reality. It, we can't. I don't yeah. believe that this that we're here. just because it's too intricate if you really look at it imagine if the world was you know five miles away further from the sun or five miles closer well if if, again if you believe in the globe or flat earth whatever who gives a fuck right (laughs) the donut bro (laughs) the the donut whatever it is the mobius strip whatever this thing if it was closer to the sun or further away imagine how how drastically different life would be or if you weren't even born just the fact that you're even here and to go on based off of like what you're saying nature is god i remember like the other day i went i went fishing a little bit ago and i just stopped bro to take it in because i go this is you know this is this is nature this is psychedelic this is a psychedelic experience the the fact that i'm even here is wild you know what i mean like the reason that i even got yeah. here is crazy and i don't think that people do that nowadays especially with your phones and all this stuff you're you're constantly like people are getting hunched back from being like i got one too from being on the computer all the time yeah. and and doing research all the time right like all this stuff where yeah. we don't go outside and you know how they say smell the roses or or mm-hmm. sit and appreciate the beauty of nature we're too we're too indoctrinated with the identity politics and, or is the earth flat or not? You know what I mean? Or is it hollow? Or is it a fucking donut? Who cares? I think that these are things that are put in our way to distract us from the main goal, which, what do you think is the goal, bro? Do you think that, do you think that these ancient mystery schools and these ancient religions and even religions of today are correct? That you need to redeem yourself. You need to find that redemption in order to ascend after the fact. Do you believe in that at all? Or do you feel like that's just another, another key to the puzzle? Cause I've always said too, that I think that we all have the puzzle pieces, but they're just not laid out in a way where we can put them together coherently. So the Mesopotamians yeah. were right. The, the Mesoamericans were right. The The Puerto Ricans might've been right, but I don't know about them. So they have like their piece right there and, and we're trying to put it together. And that's why I love ancient history, but imagine all the stuff that's under the sand in Egypt imagine all the stuff that's in Tepe. you know sites like that that haven't even been discovered
1: yeah yeah man yeah I think I think there are two realities at the very least you know there's, there's this reality in the physical plane and then there's the source reality and this reality is a lot of fun you know don't get me wrong you know it's beautiful and it's 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 great and while we're here let's get along you know and while we're here let's let's help each other but it's not that simple you know because there are some people out there who just are hell-bent on wanting to cause destruction and so we are in a spiritual war whether we like it or not and that spiritual war should be fought through energy this life is conflict If you look at it, simply observe it, you'll quickly find out that we are in a constant conflict with our environment. And that doesn't mean we need to live in fear or live in anger, just means we need to live awarely, be aware, live in awareness. And so what's the goal? There are many things that can be the goal while we're here. But the ultimate goal is to, if I were to say, one, realize that this is not the ultimate reality. And that's what all the ancient mystery schools would teach. They would walk you through that process of gnosis, of realizing like, whoa, hold up, I'm not even my body. So realizing that you're not even your body, this isn't even the real reality. And then two, the next step would be realizing that we have a creator. And then once those two are fully realized, the last thing, the last major thing would be, okay, well, how do we get out of here with our consciousness, with our soul intact so that we can rejoin with our creator? And that that just opens up the discussions for so many different ways to go about that. But the most simple way, and it's funny, I actually came up with this equation today. When we're reading scripture, we're reading, you know, biased, very... Uh, Specifically culturally centered scripture. But they're all saying the same thing. They're all using, they're all describing the same thing through different terms. Whenever we see the word God in scripture, what we're really reading is that is the ultimate vibratory force that sustains all things. That's not what God is. I don't know what God is. Nobody knows what God really is, but that's what God does. It is the ultimate vibratory force that sustains all things. And that's backed up by quantum physics, by quantum, yeah, quantum physics. And we're we're just now starting to realize this. There's study after study always coming out now, realizing that. There's actually one that just came out the other day, a couple weeks ago, that I think I posted on my TikTok, where these these scientists realized, uh, and they won an award for realized for, for uh, an award for this study. They realized that um, this universe is a projection. This enti- our entire universe is a projection, and but we don't know where it's being projected from. And it's certain, it's an insane paper that goes into deep deep math and stuff like that. And so day after day we're starting to realize this. And so the equation that I came up with is this: so, so God is the ultimate vibratory force that sustains all things, and that's why the gurus and, and the mystics chant the Om. Om has always represented that that underlying vibratory force that's that the sustains all too, things. Right? I believe so. So the Om and, the, and the, the the Om that that is us harmonizing with that underlying vibratory force that is God, and that's why we got to give praise and thanks to that. Imagine if God decided not to show up to work, you know, if that that vibratory field just stopped. Right. And so anytime you see the word heaven in all these scriptures, that's just another word for source, the the source. And then whenever you see the word soul in all of these scriptures, that is our consciousness. So the equation is this simple soul plus Vi- ultimate vibratory force equals heaven, equals, um, oh, sorry, I think I got that wrong. No, source, yeah, source, no, that was right, yeah, source, no, sorry, soul. <laughs> so the soul or consciousness plus the vibratory field, the ultimate vibratory field, God, equals source or heaven.
2: The Trinity, essentially.
1: Essentially. So the goal is to harmonize, align yourself with that underlying vibratory force, which is God. And in th- in do- and so by doing that, eventually you will purify and make it back to source, back to heaven.
2: Whatever whatever that whatever that is, right? Like we're still yeah. that's the missing piece of the puzzle. Like and, and I was talking about ohms, the the symbol and then the oh, on how okay. it's yeah, similar yeah, yeah. so but you're talking about like the the that, actual own yeah that's yeah. why uh the the mongolian throat singing i learned recently that those guys they do that in meditation and it actually heals them it cats they don't get cancer in their body they only get it in their extremities because they're always there's something about a cat purring when mm-hmm. a cat is sick it'll do like an endless purr where it won't stop purring until it dies there's something about oh that gosh. vibe there's something about that vibration bro that heals and yes if you look at the the frequency of a bee right when it forms that hexagon like the the healing properties of i believe it's at the frequency that the bees flap their wings or something or other or something where that's infused into the honey or some crazy thing and, and yeah. it goes back to the Greeks, the Greeks, yeah, be- and,
1: and and real quick beekeepers, they say um, have the longest life expectancy oh, really? for some weird reason. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing, dude. It's crazy. All across the board, all have like the longest life expectancy.
2: Really? Yeah. Well, you know, you know what I've noticed that all the greatest occultists that have gone to the to Tibet and all these places where they do a lot of meditation, they always bro, they always live to like hundred years old and like 90 years old you look at manly p hall he died at like 89 and i think they yep. killed him so that's why he died early but he would have yep. lived to 100 because i think there's something about again the secret of ascension or reality or whatever it is that you're able to tap into it even if it's just a little bit in order for it to show itself that that really yep. that's what these people tap into and what are your thoughts on the on these because you mentioned mystery schools. Are uh, these mystery schools where they talked about, or they allegedly, you know, the, these secret mystery schools of of Greek? Uh, I forgot the name of it. Jeez, the golly, I forgot the the, uh, the name of the mystery the schools. E- Elysian, Eleusinian Mysteries. I'm sorry. Yeah, there Eleusinian you go. Whoa, yeah. I freaking <laughs> lost it there. The uh, the how they used what what role do you think psychedelics play into this whole thing? Do you think it's a way to break out of the matrix do you think DMT I my personal opinion is that I wanna know what the chemical compounds that we don't know about that will do what DMT does and beyond. You know what I mean? That the, the mm. those that's alchemy at its core. Like we yeah we know about ayahuasca. Yeah we know about that mixture but what if there's an, an even more Uber mixture that's able to literally make you do whatever. You know, and the the whole three days yeah. resurrection that Jesus goes and he's comes back. There is uh, certain mystery schools who would drown people, right? And they would uh, give them a psychedelic or something like that where they would bring them to the brink of death. It was something about taking them to the brink of death, almost killing them, just almost. And then right where they're there, they would just pull them back. And there was something about that experience. Again, if it's DMT being released in the body or not, who knows? But the near-death experiences, that, and they would be initiated with that. What do you think your role is in, in psychedelics when it comes to all these religions and Jesus being a mushroom and all these things bro (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah man I think they're here for a reason for a purpose and I think they're like a at the very least a last ditch effort to to wake us up you know sometimes I feel like life is like a video game where similar to a video game there are like secrets hidden throughout the map and some of the secrets you don't even find you never find because you don't go that way or whatever you know so i think psychedelics are one of those secrets that were planted here by the creator and nature to for us to eventually find for these purposes you know i th- if i think we were meant to slowly and gradually wake up to some climax and um so i think that's the role that psychedelics play is to slowly and gradually uh, wake up the entirety of human humanity, but to also abruptly wake up the indi- individual, you know, cause if you ingest like an eighth of shrooms, you know, you're going to have a crazy, crazy night.
2: You're going to be and- Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. You're going to be Bigfoot dude. Or you're going to see Bigfoot, you know? Uh, so yeah, they're they're there to abruptly induce the individual into an awakening, but I think they're here to overall slowly and gradually, Kind of keep us in check and make sure that that we continue growing towards the ultimate.
2: I think that, yeah, I think it's, it's meant to go back to what all these secret societies are about, about killing the ego, right? When you do intake psychedelics, you do have that ego death. So maybe they use that as a tool to get the ego out of the way and implement all these other things. And we're talking about finding Easter eggs in reality as a video game, yeah. right? Where you're going around and exploring, uh, you know, MMORPG style where everybody's connected. We're all connected right now into the online. And it makes me think, bro, because, you know, I have the... I sometimes do give myself the guilty pleasure of going into the VR realm, if you will. Hey. Uh, I don't know if you've ever watched VR porn, but it's crazy, bro. <laughs> it's fucking wild. But... Anyways, yeah. I go into the VR realm sometimes and this idea, I think that Pythagoras was right in the fact that all is number. And I think that all is number because there is a phenomenon where people are able to see number forms. That—that That is a, an actual phenomenon where people are able to see projections of numbers. So there's a reason why the, the code in the matrix is green, why there's numbers coming down and all this stuff. And I think that by it all all is number... Well, that's implying that it's binary code. If it's binary code, then you're implying that there's a there's a, a programmer. And hence, you know, that's, that's what I think that the God is, you know what I mean? That's what I believe that Pythagoras meant by all his number. Well, he was hinting at that we are in a simulation, that we are in this fract. Always, they always say a fractal reality or holographic universe. And, and you said that some people found out that was it that this is a projection but they don't yeah, know where it's coming from. Back to
1: the article. They they just released the, the article was released a couple weeks ago, and the study is fairly new. They just won an award for it. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. But um, yeah, they realize that this universe is 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 all being projected from somewhere. So it's like it's a wild thought to wrap our mind around. But yeah, but yeah, pretty much. As they they came to the conclusion. Yep. Yeah, yeah. This is this is uh, this is here. a simulation.
2: I have the. Let me see if i can put is is our universe a holographic projection is that the one there
1: let me see i'm looking up at the video that i posted because what i
2: think dude this whole quantum thing i think that that is all another way of saying magic if you look at quantum yeah. tunneling quantum uh, entanglement quantum whatever i think it's just another way of saying magic it's the occult and i obviously i did that episode recently on tinfoil and i've had people reach out to me like dude the science comes from the occult. Is that where you're trying to get? Like, dude, hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like, there's a reason yeah. why cloning is illegal. Not because you can't do it, but because you can. So why make something that's not possible illegal? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what are you what are you yeah. getting? Like, hey, don't do. There's a lot of weird laws and at all different states and all these things where it's like, yeah, that's kind of it's kind of sus. What are you trying to get at? And I think that oh. it's just the evolution of quote-unquote science, whatever that is, and it goes back to magic. It, what was it that Einstein said it was the spooky action at a distance or something? <laughs> something like that? <laughs> yeah, it
1: all blends, dude. Science and, and magic are sisters of the same cloth.
2: Yeah, were well, you able to find but, the, the article?
1: Yeah, I found it. I remember Joe Rogan is actually the one who posted it first, and then, and then I reposted it. So on Joe Rogan's page, if you scroll down a few posts... Um, so this was posted... On October 6, 2022, the universe is not locally real, and the physics Nobel Prize winners proved it. Um, Elegant experiments with entangled light have laid bare a profound mystery at the heart of reality.
2: Yep. See, dude, but how fucking ignorant do you have to be to say some shit like this? (laughs) How would you know the universe is not locally real, but yet you're in it? (laughs)
1: <laughs> well look check it out I just I just
2: uh, I know
1: that does sound crazy right but I just did that documentary on Jacobo Grinberg the Mexican scientist who's been missing since 1994 who was doing all that telepathy. yeah but so locality is a specific word so that's a that's a word that needs to be dissected a little bit that I didn't really understand until I started digging into this research for my next book having to do with consciousness. what was his name
2: stuff. so I can look him up
1: Jacobo Grinberg, like the least Mexican last
2: name ever, but this guy was this guy was controlled out, bro. That's why he's never heard of this <laughs> guy. But I got my own theories on this, bro. We can get into. Go yeah, th-
1: he was he was big, dude. He wrote like fifty or so books, and I have a mini documentary on him. People can check out to get some basic information. It get his his story gets weird, dude. Like, there's a theory that he was even killed by Carlos Castaneda. stuff like that but uh but locality so he talks a lot about locality too and he's he called the source reality god the source infinity he called it the non-local lattice non-locality and so locality in quantum physics and in metaphysics basically means that um The reality that we exist. So, so locality would be like what we think reality is, is like, Oh, I'm here. My, my atoms are here, but non-locality would mean that there's an extra dimension that is, that's separate from, from the physical dimension of our atoms and our particles. And that non-local dimension um, has influence over us. It's difficult to imagine, but just imagine two layers. So one layer is our reality us, our physical body, and then the non-local reality, wherever that is in time and space. It's called non-local because it doesn't, it's not in our reality. So that non-local reality is where um, our consciousness resides, and so our consciousness is, is interfacing into this reality. As you just brought up VR, I actually use that as a uh, as a uh, a metaphor. Um, in my documentary. So the non-local reality would be like you and then th- our reality would be like the VR reality. So while you're in the VR experiencing that reality, you'd be like, wow, this is reality. But the non-local reality, the reality that is separate from that one is actually you chilling in your couch and your boxers.
2: Yeah, it's the simulacrum, right? It's the simulacra of the actual reality where it's like, uh, that's why I think that this whole the the vr is the hyper reality it's the augmented reality Mm -hmm. it's the one that they they want to where it's like it's like the real world but better it's the version you know the 2.0 i love that though where yeah that's an awesome that's an awesome example because it does paint it's like we are maybe how you're saying attached to something that's the whole thing with the matrix i think that's why that movie is so important and they don't make movies like that anymore they don't make movies like fight club or anything like that because it makes you think it makes you step outside of that box. Like, wait, there might be more. That's why I can't get. That's why I don't understand people who are atheists, where yeah. you believe absolutely nothing. Nothing. It's like, dude, come on, man. There's no. There's no. There's no way. And this guy wrote, el, Cele- el Ce- cerebro. I always say cerebro, uh, yeah, consciente. Cerebro. And he t- he wrote this this book. He was studying. So the Greenberg. Synergy theory states that there is a continuous space of energy, and the common human can only perceive a part of it. The resultless process is what everyone understands as reality. So, wow, that, yeah, that's really deep, and I never really thought about it like that. And he, it's funny because he was studying Mexican shamanism, Eastern yeah. disciplines, meditation astrology and telepathy through the scientific method. He wrote more than 50 books about these subjects and he disappeared in December, 1994. Wow. So yeah. what do you think happened to him, bro? Uh, if I'm being, if I'm being, uh,
1: you know, basic about it, I guess, cause I think, I think his, his wife has something to do with it. I think his wife was a crazy psycho and she probably fucking killed him and herself and there's a reason for that so there's there's a lot of speculation around his last days and um she so he that was his second wife his second wife so he married her later on I'm, i'm assuming she was younger than him and there was some just sketchy stuff that she did towards the last days like she went and pulled out a lot of money out of the bank and then like she told their landlord at their like uh loft or something in mexico city that oh like they want to pull the lease out even though it wasn't up for renewal for like several more months and then um shortly after he disappeared she disappeared too so she's gone like she's been missing for just as amount, just as long as he has she went disappearing like a few weeks later. So but there's also his brother, his, I think his younger brother, Jacobo's younger brother, is on record saying that towards his last days, Jacobo was telling him that he was fearful for his life and that he was scared of his wife and that his that him and his wife were Aren't not sleeping we all? in the same bed anymore. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> oh man. But uh they weren't even sleeping in the same bed anymore. You know, so there was some weird energy and weird stuff going on with her, and some people in the community out there believe that she was she was controlled op. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. and uh, so I mean, I guess if I if I had to conclude it, I would say you know she she had some sketchy stuff to do with it, and she probably murdered him or something. But I would like to believe that you know he opened up a portal and just dipped out.
2: Well, I I want to I wanted to add because if he was doing alchemy, which maybe he was. They say that that's the magnum opus, right? Where you're able to exit reality and become an ascended master, and all these guys like Fulconelli, Nicholas Femel, Count of Saint Germain, all these guys are these immortal alchemists that continue living. And I've always said that all the greatest—well, I don't want to praise them, but all the 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 lizard people, the biggest names in history these royal families you have rockefeller you have carnegie you have all these flagler here in florida you have all these families that they have entire streets entire counties entire they have statues made of them and it makes me think of that book that i showed you right falling in love with statues where back then bro people were marrying statues so just similarly to what i believe the terracotta soldiers were I think that that emperor was trying to infuse consciousness into these terracotta soldiers, right? These terracotta warriors, each and every single one of them is specific. It was one person. They're all different, bro. They're not identical. They're all unique. So by these alchemists who were trying to transmute reality and, and right through money, uh, money is an alchemical thing yeah i think that they live on forever in a in a a different way not a way that we think about in the movies where it's like a count dracula it's living for 500 years no i think it's i think it's a little bit different i think it's more like on a on a different you know that that mundus imaginalis where it's like the reality between two realities you know you're wedged in there and as long as people remember your name and and remember it every time I'm on Flagler Street while they're invoking that energy. You know what I mean? They're yeah. invoking that person. He's He was only one of the richest people in the world at one time. You have Rockefeller, Rockefeller Center here, Rockefeller Street, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Rockefeller educational system that we're in today, all these things. And not only that, but the companies that they sprouted. So I think that they're doing alchemy and existing for forever as long as people remember their name. And that's why they're made monuments of them. That's why they make all these statues of them, and what was going on in Egypt? They were invoking spirits into statues. brother. there's stories of mm-hmm. Hermes Trismegistus, where he had this entire city, and it was it was a city where the it was pretty much like an eye of what's the the eye of Sauron I think it is in, in Lord of the Rings, yeah. where oh, yeah. he had these statues on the top of this tower that would watch over the citizens and spy on them. And they were because they were invoked with these entities and, and, you know, they were using astrology and all this stuff. And he was able to possess these statues to snitch people out of. They weren't being good. citizens. So, again, it's a utopia idea yeah. where it goes back to the new Atlantis and all these other things. But that idea of the Republic, like Plato, uh, th- that, those sorts of ideas have been around since, oof, you know, there's stories of Hermes Trismegistus uh, using statues that were animated to watch over the citizens like, hey. You need to be good little peasants, or else my statues are gonna tell me you're gonna fucking die. So it's yeah. really trippy, bro. And it made me think of because I anything that's interdimensional, anything that is about hopping realities and all this stuff, I, I I'm a sucker for that. I'm I love that yeah. type of shit, right? If it's inner, you know, I think if if I can't explain something, bro, it's interdimensional. Like right off the bat, like by <laughs> default, like, oh well, Bigfoot, yeah. you can't see him. He's interdimensional. Well, aliens, you can't see him. They're interdimensional. Well, you know, all these things. So it made yeah. me think of this book and shout out to Gorgeous George on Instagram. It's one of my one of my listeners sent me this this book. It's called A Separate Reality. Further conversations yeah. with Don Juan. And it's a book written by an anthropologist, Carlos Castaneda. I don't know if you if you, if you know this guy.
1: Yeah. 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 Like I, I was just mentioning right now that there's a theory that this guy murdered Jacobo Grinberg. Oh,
2: this guy? Yeah. Oh
1: shit. There, there's a there's a theory out there. It's there's not a lot with it, but there is a theory that he had something to do with his death too, because I guess they were kind of like rivals for a little time
2: period. Oh. Okay. So I didn't even know that. I, I know you mentioned a, a guy. But I didn't know it was this guy. Okay. So that's weird, dude. So published in 1971 concerning the events a book uh, took place during his apprenticeship with Yaqui Indian sorcerer Don Juan Matus Matus between 19. 19- 1960 and 1965, and pretty much yeah. the way that because I have a copy of it, but I haven't read it. Where they were transcending reality right through the use of psychotropic plants offered him peyote, a smokable mixture of what Castaneda believed to be among other plants, dried mushrooms of the genus psilocybin. Uh, psilocybe The main focus of the book, uh, centered on Don Juan's attempts to get uh, at getting Carlos to see a practice best described as in, in Castaneda's. Own words, perceiving energy directly as it flows through the universe. So they were trying to watch, see people's auras. Is that what they're they're trying to get at? See,
1: probably meant like just, just like get to that gnosis, you know, to know, Mm -hmm. to see. Yeah, is a huge name. He he wrote a lot of books too.
2: So a copy they used it in the book in the in the show Lost. They used it in the in the film The Exorcism of Emily Rose. He references Castaneda oh, in separate. So this is a, a true detective. I have to check that show out. True, They're using an HBO true detective. So this, yeah, this guy's pretty influential. I didn't know. And I, and I, and since the listener knows I'm all about the interdimensional stuff, he pointed it out to me. He's like, Hey bro, check this book out about, you know, seeing other realities. Cause that's like the whole thing with scrying. And oh, yeah. that's why I love the idea of. Where, where they're using architecture to entomb and encapsulate these higher states of consciousness through the use of Pythagorean principles and math. I think it all goes back to math, how you were saying earlier, where you have all this this mumbo jumbo, because in school they never taught us what these symbols meant. You know what I mean? Like, they, they just tell yeah. you, like, hey, this is how you find the square root of, of pi. Well, what is pi? <laughs> what is the number three? Like, what is that? What is that? What is is uh, what it got calculus what is all that stuff is that is that magic i think it's magic bro because if yeah you, you know yeah they they changed the
1: narrative of it so that you don't view it as magic you just view it as oh it's just math it's just calculations it, it's all geared towards becoming a worker anyway you know it's like oh you just you just need this so that you can get a job you know and so you can get a job so you can work and then pay the man and then do your part in capitalism or the system or whatever You know, they strip it of its power. They strip it of its true meaning. They change the narrative.
2: Was it, it's the American dream because you have to be asleep to believe it? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. dude. We're we're just, I think that they are, we are here. So my conclusion on organized religion is that I think that they're building their own pools of energy to be able to tap into. If you're Mm. able to herd together, right? Because they talk about, the shepherd and the and all this stuff. If if you're able to herd as as many people as you can together who are gonna believe and manifest that one reality from that one point of view, you could always tap into that energy pool and use that energy for whatever other uh, magical things that you have up your sleeve. And I think that's where the whole magic I call them cinema magicians using sigils and charge films and all this stuff, too. I just saw last night I was scrolling through Facebook and there's this new movie where people are feigning and having, you know, rapid heart rate. I think it has to do with the with that thing people are putting in themselves. But I also think that uh, these films, they are they are gateways, too. You know what I mean? For possessions. Uh, and uh, being able to affect people on a deeper level. It's not just a movie. It's a bunch of sigils in conjunction, continuous, and they're portraying whatever they want and implementing it into your, your subconscious. Look at the Matrix defense, where the yeah. guy killed his entire family because he thought it was in the Matrix. Bro, he dressed up as Neo and everything and shotgunned his entire family because that was his reality. He was so warped from these movies.
1: Wait, that. this was real.
2: This is real, bro. In two thousand, yeah. Oh my god. And they've used it. The, the the Matrix defense is a defense that they use in court. You can use it in court. So, what? Yeah, it's a real thing, bro. I'll, I'll pull it up here.
1: That's wacky, man.
2: But you're you're right. You know, it's 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 all energy. So the Matrix defense is a legal defense based on the premise. Of the film franchise the matrix in which reality is a computer generation and the real world is different from what reality is popularly perceived to be i think it's all about perception bro and there's a a been a few there's the affluenza defense the chewbacca defense the king kong defense the shaggy defense the twinkie defense and this the guy i'm talking about is joshua cook uh lawyers were going to attempt his defense in 2003 in his trial for the murder of his adoptive parents before he pleaded guilty so this guy uh dressed up in in the in the leather and everything with the boots and all and took a shotgun to the entire family bro and he was he was crazy he was quoting like he he had memorized the entire movie and when they were like interviewing him he he was quoting entire like sections of the movie like you know what I mean like what is real and you know all these things and he had like a manifesto about how it was all they were after him and he was paranoid and it's really fucked up but
1: that see that's the dark side of all of this man and yeah. that's why this stuff shouldn't be for everybody or it's not that it shouldn't be but it 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 just simply isn't for everybody and that's why this stuff used to be held in secret societies you know <laughs> like you had to be safeguarded with this information not that i think secret societies are necessary you know definitely not like all the weird um occultic demonic ones but mm-hmm. this information is it's, t- it's intense and it's powerful and it's not all sunshine and rainbows out there you know again there are people that like us who just want to live their lives have a good time be good to others and 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 be productive you know but then there's other people who at the, not to their own fault have psychological disturbances you know, and uh so again it brings me back to the idea like this this life is conflict. Not be, and it's not there to scare you, it's not there to stress you out, it's just there to make you aware. So this information that we share in this truth of community, I, you know, it's it's powerful. And that's why nowadays I don't go around like I used to, like just shouting it on street corners, quite literally. You know, it's like you got you gotta disseminate this responsibly. Cause some people can't handle it, man. And they just
2: fucking snap. So you're not going to change your name to exoteric Eddie. You're just going to stay esoteric Eddie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Just esoteric within dude. (laughs) Yeah. Right on bro. Any, any, any closing thoughts uh, that you want to add before we get the fuck out of here?
1: Yeah, man, this has been a great time. Uh, you know, I had fun. Thanks to everybody, uh, listening, you know, thanks to the homie Juan for sure. Um, Yeah, I'm going to be working on my next book. Some of the stuff we touched on today is actually what's going to go into my next book. Um, That's not going to be released till early next year, 2023. But yeah, thanks everybody. Go check out my stuff on YouTube and and hit me up on Instagram if you want to connect or or whatever.
2: Hell yeah, I'll post all the links in the description. And I appreciate you coming on, bro. This was a great time. I think we really touched on a lot of interesting topics and there's always more to talk about. So I'm sure I'll have you on again in the near future and everybody make sure to check out his stuff make sure to follow the podcast on social media at the one one podcast the one on podcast.com all the stuff the occultist monday journal the comic book all that good stuff appreciate you catch you on the other side